0: Alright, well tis the season, uh, Jingle Jam is officially over, um, I'm going to sleep really hard after church today, uh, but man, it is, uh, it's a special time of year, it's a busy time of year. Um, I think this year, probably more than ever, our girls are six years old, eight years old, uh, we got a little boy who's four months old, he has absolutely no idea what's going on right now, Christmas is just, I mean, every other day for him. But our girls, at the ages, they're at like, man, Christmas season. Like, this is a magical time. And I remember feeling that way as a kid. I remember being just so hyped out of my mind. Every box that ended up under the tree. Um, what is that thing that's wrapped like a bicycle? How is that not a bicycle? Um, it, what, what That thing looks like it's an N64 box. And it, it was just a pair of shoes. I just had really big feet. Um, <laughs> but the N64 box was underneath it. So it was still a, a very Merry Christmas. But there's something special about this time of year, and I'm I'm not going to hate on Hallmark movies because I don't want Jacob's mom to be as mad at me as she is at him. Um, She's a beautiful woman. I love her to death. I want her to love me more than him. That's my goal (laughs) in life. It'll never happen. Uh, Man, there's something special about this time of year, but I think as special as this time of year is, we can also kind of get wrapped up into the hype of the holidays. We can let the hustle, we can let the hurry kind of take over. And when we do that, we really remove ourselves from what's truly special about this season, and that is an opportunity to slow down, not to speed up. That is an opportunity to access the resources of God and His peace and in His rest. And I think what we do is just people that get excited, and there's nothing wrong with this, but if we take our focus and the emphasis of this season off of Jesus, and there's definitely something wrong with this, is we just get all in on the busyness. We get all in on the hustle. We get all in on the hurry. We need to buy all the presents, and if you are buying presents right now, I really hope you have a person that loves spreadsheets in your life. Um, Spreadsheets make it to where you don't miss out on buying someone a present, and... um, that's really good. I'm not the spreadsheet person in my house, but my wife is. And we got all of the Christmas presents knocked out the other day. And I said, what do you want? And she told me. And then uh, she put it on an Amazon list, and then I just put it all in there. And it's still in the cart right now. <laughs> okay, But I got a plan. She's in here today. She's not in kids. Turn your ears off. I'm going to wait till she forgets that they're in the Amazon cart. <laughs> and then I'm going to buy them. And then I'm going to sneak into that spreadsheet, and I'm going to write check, done, did it, your husband's awesome. (laughs) It's going to be good. We also get caught up in the, I got to go to this person's house, we got to have this to eat, I got to be around this place, this person, these people, this family, then we got to go to this family, and then this family, and then this family, we got to have presence with us at every single one, and what if I don't like the person that's going to be at this house, and the last time I talked to the person that's going to be on your side of the family in this house, man, it's been years, and man, they they kind of hurt me, and so we just kind of get lost in the hurry and in the hustle, and so today, I just want to say that there's another way. There is another way to do Christmas, and I think as, uh, man, people that love the holiday season, in our best efforts to make it special, we can absolutely miss out on Jesus. And so today we continue on. In Advent, we are in week two, and we're going to be talking about peace. And what better place to talk about peace than Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7. I want you to, to realize, you're, you're going to realize it. I'm just going to, I'm going to preemptively let you know Everything I'm about to say is pretty darn close to everything Jacob said for at least his first two points last week. I did make a chart, so that will differentiate us. Okay, I got a pretty drawing for you. Uh, But for the next two weeks, three weeks, however many weeks, two more weeks after this, um, man, the the beginning of this any sermon that we preach in Advent is going to be exactly the same. Uh, We might change it up a little bit to fit that flavor of the week, whether it's joy or whatever. But today is peace. And I want us to realize, and I want us to go over this intentionally week after week after week because we can get so caught up in the hustle and bustle of the holiday. We can completely miss Jesus. And so every single week, I want to bring us right back into why this is so special, why it's so incredible that Jesus came down from heaven to earth, that he put himself in our place, in our shoes, and went to the cross for us. And we will break that down. So this morning, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7 for For to us, I almost said for unto us, went a little King James on you, okay? (laughs) I repent of that. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. First point this morning. Peace Peace was gifted to us, In the person of Jesus. Peace was gifted to us in the person of Jesus. Let's break that down. That person came as a child. What does it mean that Jesus came to us as a child? It means that God chose to enter into our struggle. John 1, verse 14. In the English Standard Version. (laughs) And the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, God could have said, Jesus, you are going to be the great spiritual solution in the sky, but that's not what he did. Jesus chose to relate to us as one of us, and as the absolute best of us, he lowered himself beneath all of us to take care of our sin, to take care of the enemy and his influence in our lives, and to take care of death. Now, that person didn't just come as a child. That person came as God's son, and we will see that in John 3, 16. I'm sure everybody can quote verse 16, but we're going to add verse 17 here as well. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. And I think a lot of times that's what we feel. Jesus, I feel bad about my sin, and there's a difference between guilt. The enemy uses guilt to push us away from God. But Jesus brings in the Holy Spirit is conviction, and conviction pushes us closer to God. God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So he brings hope. He brings peace. What we see in this is that Jesus had the highest value. He was the precious only Son of God. Not only that, but he had purpose, and it wasn't to condemn. It wasn't to make us feel guilt for our sin. It was to provide a way out of our sin, to set us free from our sin, to save us from it and it was also to give the gift of eternal life. But we see not only that in Jesus, we see that he had authority. And whose authority did he have? He had authority from God the Father. Matthew 28, verse 18, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, and then he gave us the great commission. Go therefore, make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything that I have commanded of you. He gives us a purpose out of his purpose and his authority. And in all of that, he is the solution. He is the only way for us to be saved. It says in Acts 4.12, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And this is really cool this is where we get to get kind of bible nerdy here we get to break this down and if you are with us as we march through the first nine verses of mark over 19 weeks then you will remember that jesus is fully god and fully man And so part of Jesus being the solution is it was only Jesus and it could only be Jesus and it will only ever be Jesus because Jesus is fully God and fully man in him being fully God it is important that he is fully God because it is only his divinity by his divinity that he would be able to bear the weight of God's anger and God's wrath on our sin you think about that there's no way that we could ever withstand the full anger the full weight the full wrath of God against our sin. That's exactly what we deserve, and that's exactly what he stood in place for us and advocated on our behalf for. But he's not just fully God, because if he was just fully God, he couldn't relate, but he was fully man as well. and He was fully man because the justice of God required that the same human nature that sinned in the first place would be the same human nature that paid for that sin. But he wasn't just a man. Jesus isn't just some random dude that can relate to us in our sin. Now, he was tempted with everything that we would be tempted with, but he did not sin. He was different. He was a special gift. He was perfectly righteous as a man. Because a sinner cannot pay the debt of another person's sin. Only someone that's perfect. Only someone that's spotless. Only someone that is blameless. And so to sum that all up, if you like cliff note versions of everything like I did, that's the only way I got through fourth through twelfth grade. The Bernstein Bears were hard to read, okay? I didn't stand a chance with Harry Potter. We, we have this. Sum it all up. Our Redeemer had to be truly human to suffer and sympathize with us. Our Redeemer had to be truly God to satisfy God's wrath and secure our salvation. That person, that all-encompassing person of Jesus came as a gift. And this makes Jesus the greatest gift on earth. I want you to think about the greatest gift that you've ever received. I think back to all the gifts that I've ever given, and I've already mentioned a couple of them. One was that GT Fly BMX bicycle. Uh, Actually, I kind of told a story. It wasn't even wrapped, it was in the garage and I was afraid of the garage, and my parents knew that, so they hid the bike in there. I didn't see it until Christmas morning, until it was wheeled out in front of the Christmas tree. What made that gift so incredible to me? What made that gift incredible was that it gave me freedom. I could, it was back, you know, it was like 1999. You could drive down the street without your parent being right next to you back then. You could play outside. If you were a good kid, you'd stay on the blocks that your parents said you could ride your bike on. If you were a bad kid, you would chase the ice cream man no matter how far away he drove from your house, and you would get some whoopings for that. There was whoopings back then too. I don't know if all these things coincide, but it gave me freedom. It gave me adventure. I had some of the best adventure of my life on that bike. It also got me a couple girlfriends because I had the bike with some pegs, you know, and I could like give rides to the swimming pool, and that was pretty cool too. Um, I could do like, you know, tricks on that bike. I got some clout for it. What made that bike so awesome, what made that bike the best gift that had ever been given to me, at least at that point, was that it was a gift that just kept on giving. Was it a gift that I deserved? No, absolutely not. And we see both of those aspects of that awesome Christmas of mine in Jesus. The thing about gifts is they're often given, but they're never actually deserved. We don't get a gift based off of if we've been naughty or if we've been nice. If you're a kid in here, I'm I'm sorry. I didn't mean to break that to you. But we give gifts because we love that person. And we love that person unconditionally. We wouldn't give them a gift conditionally because that's not who we are in Jesus. That's not what a gift is. The only thing that we have ever been given in this life that we've earned based off of what we have earned has been death. In the physical sense, and the spiritual sense, Romans 6, 23, it says, "'For the wages of sin is death, "'but the gift of God is eternal life "'in Christ Jesus our Lord.'" So when we get something for what we work for, it's called a wage. If you have a job, you work that job, you receive a paycheck once a month, every two weeks, every week, I don't know, maybe it's a different kind of job, maybe it's by the job, maybe it's contract, but you receive compensation for what you work, and the only thing that we've ever done is sin, and the only thing that sin could ever bring to us, no matter how good we are outside of that sin, is death. But the thing about gifts is you receive something that you don't deserve, not based on anything that you have earned. It is given, and it is given so that it can be accepted. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so when we look to Jesus, we see the greatest gift ever given because the greatest gift ever given in Jesus is what gives us eternal life. And it is through his birth. It is through his perfect life. And it is through his death, his burial, and his resurrection that makes it possible for us to accept that gift. God brings it before us. We unwrap it and we say, man, this is too good. This is something that I could never earn. This is too much for me. I think he says, yeah, absolutely. But this isn't based on anything that you've done. This is 100% based off of what my son Jesus has done. And I present it and I give it to you as a gift. And as any gift, we have the ability to accept or deny. And I pray that you would accept. we move now to our second point. And this is going to be in verse 7 of Isaiah chapter 9 says, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. If Jesus is the gift of peace and it is found in the person of Jesus, we need to know that he will rule and he will reign in peace. Say that again because I think we can really just not believe this. Jesus will rule and he will reign in peace. So now if you're clued into what's happening here, you say, okay, I'm, I'm reading this in the Bible. It just said he'll rule and reign in peace from this time forth and forevermore. Well, then we have to ask the question, then where is my peace? All of this falls into something that Jacob touched on last week very well. And that is the already slash not yet time period that we find ourselves living in and this is where my beautiful drawing is going to come in to help me because i'm a little more special than jacob and i need it what do we have here we have the old testament by the way this is not to scale This is just so I could fit words within certain colors, okay? So we'll break that down as we go. We have the Old Testament, Genesis, all the way through Malachi. This is a time where people were looking forward to the coming Messiah. When Isaiah writes this, he is talking about the Messiah that would come, the Messiah that would deliver his people. His people probably thinking, yeah, this is going to happen the first time Jesus comes. But what Isaiah is talking about here, why we don't see peace all around us, is because this actually comes at Jesus' second coming. We have Genesis through Malachi. That's the Old Testament. And then, boom, we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This is the New Testament. This is Jesus. Jesus is born. His 33 years certainly should be much smaller and green than that. Maybe I should have wrote Jesus and drawn an arrow down. But this is what we get. Then Jesus, he's born, lives a perfect life. He dies on the cross for us. He is buried, he is resurrected from the dead. He lives 40 days around very key people, around six to 800 they think in total. And it is historically documented. And then Jesus gives the great commission. He goes up into heaven. That is where that blue part ends. And then you have us. And we are here in this zone of already not yet. Jesus has come. Jesus has brought peace with him, but it is not fully realized. The concept has been introduced and it has been given to people within the Holy Spirit that he said would come when he went up into heaven. And guess what it did on the day of Pentecost? And now when we believe in him, it lives in us. We have the ability to have peace within us, but peace is not yet universal. Why? Because that little revelation part down there, that's the really scary part of your Bible. It has like dragons and stuff in it. Um, Really cool, one of my favorites. In this part of the Bible, this is where Jesus wins. And when Jesus comes back, we see something else written. Prophe- Prophes, prophesied. Yeah, prophesied, that's the word. Prophesied, not just by Isaiah, but by Daniel as well. And then we'll get back into Isaiah. When Jesus comes back, he will reinstate. He will instate for the first time his government. He will instate for the first time universal peace. We will look all around us and we will see nothing but peace. So Daniel 2, 44. And in those days, kings of the God of heaven will set up a king. And in those days, and in the days, wow, dyslexic to the max this morning. And in the days of those kings, woo, got it. The God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. When we look around right now, we see a bunch of violence. We see a bunch of chaos. We see a bunch of hurry. We see a bunch of hustle. When we look around right now, we have to look really, 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 really hard if we're going to actually find some peace. We're gonna have to look to the people that say that they follow Jesus and actually follow Jesus with their lives if we're going to find some peace. We're gonna have to look into some situations where some people of Jesus are in leadership and they are bringing peace with them into those situations. When we look around right now, we turn on the TV and whether it's local news or whether it's Fox News or if it's CNN or if it's reality TV or if it's just the gossip on Twitter or X or whatever it's called, Y, Z, I'm not really sure anymore, or if it's on Instagram, or if it's on Facebook, what do we see? We don't see peace, because peace doesn't make the headlines. Because peace is so fleeting these days that we think, man, this is not gonna last, but what does this say? This says we can have hope because the peace that is on its way in our King Jesus instating his government that is on his shoulder, man, that's forever. Nobody can take that away. Fox News is going out of business. CNN going out of business all the gossip, all the slander, all the violence, all the hatred, all the division that's being sowed through everything that we see constantly. No more, because now Jesus is in charge. Isaiah sixteen five. then a throne will be established in steadfast love. It doesn't sound like what we see around us now. And on it will sit in faithfulness in the tent of David, one who judges and seeks justice and is swift to do righteousness. So we say, okay, there's not peace now. There's not peace around me. There is peace in certain people. And so we have to ask ourselves, where is peace today? And we realize that peace today is in our hearts as believers. It is in our minds. It is in our spirit, in the spirit, the Holy Spirit, that brings it about in our lives of every single believer. But I think we have to keep diving down this rabbit hole and ask one more question, and that is, then why am I not experiencing peace? If there's no peace really around me, at least peace that won't last, but I have peace that is available to me, why am I not experiencing peace? I really want you to listen in here because this is something I struggle with a lot. And this is something I think a lot of us struggle with a lot. This is something that as bad news after bad news after bad news has hit me throughout this week, throughout just today, throughout this month, this is what we have to cling to, that peace, The peace that Jesus brings is dependent on Jesus' rule and Jesus' reign. I'll say that again. The peace that Jesus brings is dependent on his rule and his reign. Now we have to ask ourselves some more questions, and that is, does God really rule and reign in my life? Have I really fully submitted everything in my life? Have I really fully submitted myself to? to Jesus. If I'm not experiencing peace, then I haven't experienced his presence. If I'm not experiencing his peace, I haven't put myself under his rule and his reign. And so then we ask, are there areas of my life where there isn't peace that's bleeding into where there should be peace because I've held something back for myself? Those areas can be pet sin, God, I give you everything, at least in lip service. God, I'm going to tell everybody at church. I'm going to serve all the time. I'm going to tithe. I'm going to be there every single Sunday. I might even be crazy enough to go serving kids. (laughs) And I hope you are. But I'm going to hold this sin back. Jesus, I say that you're king, but I don't submit myself fully to you as king. I got about 95% submission to you right now. And that 5% that we leave out is a 5% where fear and worry and doubt and insecurities and chaos can absolutely creep in and influence the rest of our lives. We submit ourselves fully to Jesus. Well, Jesus, I submit fully to you, but I've got some control issues. And so when things are going good, Jesus, you got it. Take the wheel. You and Carrie Underwood just keep driving. We're going to be all right but when things go bad, what do we do? All right, Jesus, get get back in the passenger seat. Jesus, get get in the back seat. I'm going to take the wheel again, because things have started to look like they're slightly out of control. Now I don't trust you at all. This wheel is mine. I'm going to start driving myself, because clearly I know what I need in my life better than you do. Jesus, this worry, this anxiety, this fear, this doubt, this depression that has filled my life Jesus, clearly I don't think that you can handle this. We keep going down this rabbit hole further and further and further and eventually we end up at a question that we have to really wrestle with and that is, do I really believe him to be good? Do I really believe him to be God? Do I really believe him to be in control? We have to fight and we have to wrestle to the place where we are fully submitted, where we give him everything. Not just some of our things, not just the little things, but the big things. The big things that happened years and years and years ago. The big things that we're worried that will, will come up in our future. We have to lay that all down at His feet so that we can experience His peace. But there's something that we need to realize. Point three today. There will never be peace for the unsubmitted life. There will never be peace For the unsubmitted life. So what do we do? What do we do about that? I don't want to continue on in fear. I don't want to continue on in chaos. I don't want to continue on in stress and anxiety. I don't want to keep going to see that person I have to pay to talk to me about my problems. Jesus, what do I do? Get present with God. Three things that we can do today. First, We can get present with God. One of my favorite pastors of all time, his name is Tony Evans. He says this, and this is good, and I'm not going to say it near as good as he would, but I'll try. He says, peace is not the absence of fear. It is the presence of God. Peace is not the absence of fear. It is the presence of God. So what that means is we don't have a peace problem. We have a presence problem. We're not spending time with Jesus. We're not spending time present with our King. We get caught up in worry. We get caught up in fear. We get caught up in doubt. And we look at all the things around us, and that's all that we can see is just the bad that is coming against us. And there's two things that we can do here, really three. We can fight it. We can run headfirst into it. We can freeze and just become paralyzed, or we can fly away from it and get as far away as we can be from it. Or, fourth option, we cannot take this into our own hands. We cannot try to power through it. We cannot try to white-knuckle our way through this and try to take it on ourselves and, and work ourselves up into a fit of worry, fear, and anxiety. We don't have to freeze. We don't have to be paralyzed. We don't have to think, man, there's nothing I can do here. And you certainly don't have to run away, terrorized by this thing. There's a fourth option. And that fourth option is we can turn to our right and we can realize that Jesus has been right there through the whole thing, ready for us to turn to him. Worry, fear, all those things are gonna continue to be there. Stop putting your eye on the problem. Put your eye on the solution. And as we focus on the solution, peace will enter into your life in the presence of Jesus within your life. Turn to him, submit, fully to him. Devote yourself to him. And when poo-poo hits the fan, look to him to take care of it. Stop trying to take care of it yourself. Second thing that we can do, we can trade loads. Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly and heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Man, think of the pain, think of the chaos, think of the things that you have been through this week. That's heavy. It's heavy. Think of the things that you're carrying throughout your whole life. Man, it's heavy, but you don't have to carry that. I don't know if anybody's ever told you that that's not your weight. That past relationship, that's not your weight. Past marriage, that's not your weight. Thing that that friend did to you, that's not your weight. The way that your kids ended up, it's not your weight. The things that your kids said to you, it's not your weight. The way that person abandoned you, not your weight. The way that you wanted things to go, they didn't go that way. It's not your weight. Losing that job, not your weight. The relationship you have with your mom, with your dad, it's not your weight. What is Jesus saying right here? He's saying that's my weight. I want that. That thing that's weighing you down, that thing that's kept you out of the game for so many years, give it to me. You know what you can take? You can take my weight. That's what Jesus says. My weight's light. It's kind. I'll trade you. Give me everything you got, and I'll carry on right beside you, present through everything. And I'll continue to carry your weight. And as you carry my featherlight weight, ultralight, all the best gear, walking down this journey, down this path together, as more stuff gets on your plate, you just throw it up on the top of this mountain, on top of my shoulders. Jesus got the government on one of his shoulders. I don't know if you saw that earlier. It says shoulder. He's got two. All right. He can take all your stuff on this one. I just assumed the government was on his right one. Maybe our stuff's on the left. Third and final thing, and this is awesome for me to be able to say, is that we're called to make peace with others. We're called to make peace for others. Romans 12:18. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. That's a joyous noise to me right there, by the way. I can have peace in that. We want kids in this service. We want kids a big part of this church. We welcome that every single Sunday. And Joshua's got me well-trained, so that doesn't even face me, all right? All right, he, that boy needs a little more peace, a lot more Jesus. But he'll get there. He's only four months old. I'm sure the yeah, he's covered right now. All right, anyways, Romans 12, 18. If possible, I'll get in trouble if I keep talking. So far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Think of the situations you're about to enter into now that it's Christmas season. Think about the people you'll be around, thinking about the way that, you know, things are at the office. Maybe people are a little bit more apt to talk about Jesus, or they're certainly looking at you as a person who says that they follow Jesus. I want you to put yourself in the shoes of what that person sees when they look at you. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all if they see that you are a Christian, then that means that you live completely submitted, supposedly, under the rule and the reign of Jesus. And if you are a person that is completely submitted to the rule and the reign of Jesus, and Jesus is the Prince of Peace, as we see in Isaiah 9, 6, and you don't actually have peace in your life following the person who is Prince of all that peace, and you don't actually look like somebody who's supposed to be following him, then why would that person actually ever follow Jesus based off of the way that you are living? If possible, so far as it depends on you, that means they, they don't actually have any part to play in this. Live peaceably with all. As you leave this place today, as you go to those family gatherings, as you go back to work, as you go into that Zoom meeting, whatever it is, live peaceably with all. If they've hurt you, let them go. Why? Because you hurt and you've been let go. Because you hurt God and God let you go. And it took the life of his son. And you've been set free from that. Set them free. Live peaceably with all. And the final thing that is making with peace for others, we make peace for others. And we see this in Matthew 5 verse 9 where Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God as followers of Jesus, as his disciples. We are expected to be peacemakers. That means the places that we go Peace should follow. If peace is going to follow in the places that we go, then that means that we have to experience peace for ourselves first if we're ever going to set up for other people. That means we do all the dirty work, all the preemptive work that has to be done and experiencing peace for ourselves, allowing Jesus to work all the way down into every crack, hole, and crevice in our minds and in our lives, in our bodies, in our past, so that he can clean us from the inside out and then he can repurpose us, send us out to bring peace to others. There are four ways that we are bringing peace right now, and I want to share those with you. The first was yesterday, Jingle Jam. Uh, I'm not saying it was peace for us. It was probably a lot of chaos, but sometimes you embrace the chaos so that you can bring peace to other people, especially somebody that has peace in here. You want that to happen out here. Yesterday, for two hours, we invited the community in and we said, you know what, I don't know what hell you are coming from in your life. I don't know what hell is taking place at your house, in your life, at your work. But for right now, for two hours, I have prepared this place for you so that you can experience just a little bit of peace, so that you, you can experience just a little bit of heaven. And you absolutely killed it. I mean, in my eyes, we have like 4,000 people here, okay? Yeah. If you ask my wife, it was probably 3,000, okay? No, it was in the hundreds for sure. But we made a difference. We made peace for others. Man, this angel tree that the school has asked us to help with. I wish you could have seen the look on your faces as I was announcing last week, hey, Asante Prep has asked us for some help with the angel tree. We have some students that need groceries over the Christmas break for that big Christmas meal. We have students that need presents for under the tree. The look on your face was a look of resolve. Man, it got me fired up as a pastor. It's gonna be a little fired up right now, if I'm being honest. The look on your face said, not on my watch. Man, not on my watch will there be chaos in someone else's home. Not on my watch will a mom or a dad have to worry if there's gonna be presents under the tree because that's on me. Because I've experienced the peace of Jesus. And I want other people to experience that too, so I'm gonna meet that need. I'm gonna provide for that person. Third thing, big missions give we have coming up. This isn't just advertisements. These are ways that we are meeting needs here. Think of a missionary in the middle of Africa who's worried about how they're gonna eat, how they're gonna get their next meal, how they're gonna have a roof over their head. That entire offering goes straight to that making sure the needs of our missionaries that are taking the gospel into unreached or hard-to-reach places, reaching lost people with the hope, with the peace, with the joy, with the presence of faith in Jesus, that all of that is being taken care of. The only thing they have to worry about is the ministry that is ahead of them, and that takes care of them, and that brings them peace. And finally, going to services. Man, it's going to be some chaos. Man, it's going to be crazy trying to reconfigure our Sunday mornings after we've been used to this for three years. But as we go to services, we are creating a little bit of chaos so that we can bring more people in. Just like at Jingle Jam, making room for more people to come before the presence of Jesus, to hear the hope of his gospel, and to put their faith in him. And every step of the way, I pray that we will continue to be a church that says, Not on my watch. As a person who has experienced peace, who has done the hard work of letting Jesus bring peace into every aspect of my life, I now want to bring peace into others. And so I'll make room. I'll scoot in a little bit more on the aisle. I'll go to that first service. I'll go to that second service. I'll even serve in the service I'm not attending so that another person can sit in service while their kids are being ministered to. That's what peacemakers do. And that's what you're doing. That's what you've done. So let me just thank you for being a church full of peacemakers, a people that don't just come and listen, for being a people that say, not on my watch, for being a people that says, that's a need, I'll meet it, because my needs have been met in Jesus who has brought me peace. Let's pray.